Movies and Booze on Moncrief on News Talk. We are joined round the table by Rachel Ryan, Chris Wasser, and Dean McGuinness uh, uh, to talk about uh, movies and booze and a bit of Hollywood news. Uh, oh, rhymed uh, when we're at it. Uh, so, Dean, uh, what IPAs we're talking about today? Pale ales. Oh, pale ales. Sorry, pa- pale what's ales. the difference? Th- that's what we're going to be talking okay, about. Okay, sorry. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, we, um, normally on on this, I try to do as as much diversity as possible. Craft beer is about uh, diversity as opposed to just having mainstream lagers all of the time. Yeah. Um, but because of that I tend to not do pale ales so I kind of figured I'd go back to basics Right, okay and Oh, we see it's an IPA being an India pale, Indian pale ale but that's an not IPA the same used to be an India pale ale and yeah. uh, then the um, IPA has now become a style family because it encompasses so many different types of beers so when people talk about an IPA they are talking about the style family that originated from India pale ale but it includes black IPAs red IPAs brown IPAs rye IPAs session IPAs, double IPAs, um, American IPAs and so on. Uh, And yeah, we'd be having a chat about what the difference is between an uh, pale ale and an IPA. And then we are tasting an English style pale ale from Canada and an American style pale ale from Ireland. Right. And explaining where the English and the American comes from in terms of, of the beers. So we've got Moosehead Pale Ale. And we have got from Outer Place Brewing uh, Interstellar Pale Ale. Um, I think this is possibly... From outer space, then. Yeah, it's, <laughs> I, I think it might be the first post-COVID new Irish beer brand um, because they've just started up okay. in March, April of 2022. Okay. Not the snappiest marketing slogan, I would have thought. I'm sure they'll come up with something <laughs> uh, better than that. Well, I'm thinking that COVID is going to kind of change the, the, the face of the brewing industry quite a bit because there's a lot of changes that are happening. A lot of people who've been sitting at home for two and a half years thinking about what could I do? And while they were thinking about it, probably drinking a little bit as well. Yeah. Uh, And uh, And then not doing it. (laughs) So some people might come out of that. And then it was also a a huge challenge for people who are trying to keep their business going if they're relying on the tasting room and so on. So it's it's going to be an interesting time of the next five years. Right. Okay. so uh, Chris, Beast, does that refer to Idris Elba or or The Lion or or both? Uh, A bit of both, yeah. So Beast is the first film we're going to be looking at that has Idris going up against The Lion, Idris Elba. And uh, somehow surviving to tell the tale. I'm not spoiling anything there. Just the basic okay. premise is that Idris is now, fighting a lion. Is this like line. in a Tarzan type scenario? No, or, not at all. Or, no, it might. Well, have, does no, Idris Elba have a gun? Or no, a... no, just his fist, Sean. He doesn't need just a gun. Punches it's the Idris lion. Elba. I like it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just his just his guns, his <laughs> yeah. arm guns. Uh, no, he is on safari with his family, and they get stalked by a bloodthirsty lion, and all hell breaks wow. loose. Ah, right. Okay. And That's the second was all. And the second film we'll be looking at is Official Competition, which is Penelope Cruz playing the role of you know this indie darling filmmaker who has to make a film with two very different types of movie stars uh, Oscar Martinez playing the snobbish kind of artiste who you know takes himself far too seriously and then Antonio Banderas as this vacuous box office conquering movie star so she has a lot in her hands there uh, Given the uh, the title of it is there a bang of thank you for your consi- uh, for your consideration in this kind of uh, a, li- a little bit yeah yeah. it's a very self-aware film it, it knows exactly what it's doing it's taking the mickey out of the filmmaking industry and specifically you know art house filmmakers who kind of strive for, for one thing and that is 
today's glory at the likes of Venice or Cannes. So, yeah, it's very much holding up a, a, a mirror to, you know, filmmakers and also the industry itself. Yeah. And uh, uh, Rachel, a huge scoop for Netflix uh, in the sense that finally they've coaxed Robbie Williams to talk about himself, uh, which must have been really difficult to do. Yeah, he really it's hates a talking about himself. documentary series. Basically, 2023 is going to be the year of Robbie Williams is what I've figured out because, yes, Netflix announced yesterday that they are going to be doing a documentary series all about Robbie Williams. Uh, they only announced it yesterday. Uh, it's going to be a multi-part series and apparently it's going to show unfiltered, in-depth, unseen footage of 25 years of Robbie Williams' life. So I don't know who he's paid to go around following him with the camera, uh, but someone has done it. So apparently it's going to be very raw. He's going to talk about everything, including his battle with addiction, which he's already spoken pretty openly Mm. about. Um, But separately to this documentary series, we learned earlier this year that he's also making a biopic about himself. Have you heard about this? No. There's going to be another Robbie Williams movie released next year, okay? Uh, So he's teamed up with Michael Gracie for this one, who's the man behind The Greatest Showman. So it's being called a musical fantasy movie, and he's going to be starring in it. As himself? As himself. So there'll be music and there'll be himself, and they're currently filming it in Melbourne. So that's due for release next year. And the Netflix documentary about Robbie. So it's just the year of Robbie Williams, 2023. Get excited. Very exciting stuff. <laughs> there's nothing, there's absolutely nothing he could reveal about himself that it hasn't been. He, he hasn't must have a few stories already. up his sleeves. I know he's told us a lot, but I'd say he has a few. Like he, just, he strikes me as someone who has just done everything there is to do. He's a bit of a wild one, so I'm sure he's going to pull something out of the bag. I think yeah. I remember reading at one stage that there's going to be a gorilla in the Robbie Williams musical film. So clearly he's been doing something with a monkey that we haven't known about. So right. maybe that will be revealed. Maybe he is. Yeah. Maybe that will be yeah. revealed. That's a weird addition to your story. Sorry about Isn't that. But it? Yeah. A no. monkey? A gorilla. Are you, are you, are you, do you know, like, is it... I have no idea. In a romantic sense? Well, it could be. Yeah. It could be. It could be. You know, it could could have been something that to take that boys. Maybe into. the gorilla uh, will be singing in it because it is a musical. Yeah. Maybe he has a number in it. Who knows? Maybe he's the gorilla from the Capri's ad who plays the drums. That'd be that'd be an awesome. Maybe duet. Robbie Williams hasn't been singing all along. It's been <gasps> the gorilla. It's been the gorilla. That's what it is. Um, <laughs> the gorilla with a voice of an angel. <laughs> we all know one. Uh, and uh, Anne Hathaway is to star in an adaptation of a Harry. Harry Styles fan fiction. Okay. My God. This honestly sounds like a made up story, but I promise you it's not. Okay. So basically when fans get really into uh, celebrities, sometimes they write fan fiction about them and it can come in the form of short stories, blogs, or sometimes even novels. So uh, a woman called Robin Lee in 2017 actually published an entire fan fiction novel about Harry Styles from One Direction. Okay. Okay. Very nice. Um, it's called Idea of You. Okay. And now that fan fiction is going to be turned into a full movie. Okay. Right. So the story follows a 40 year old woman called Sophie who agrees to take her daughter to Coachella to see a man called Hayes Campbell, who is, you know, Harry Styles. Okay. From the hit band August Moon, which is supposed to be One Direction. And who does she bump into? Hayes Campbell. And they start a romantic adventure together. So. That's the plot. And uh, Anne Hathaway is starring as the main role. Bizarre, right? 
Yeah, is she the is she the mother being uh, bringing the daughter there, or is she uh, you know pretending <laughs> to be the daughter? She is the mother. Yeah, I think okay. you know. I mean, she's very youthful looking, but I'm not sure if she'd pass for uh, a teenager. Yeah. Uh, so this movie is fully in production, and apparently, it's not all about Harry Styles, but about women discovering their sensuality and uh, getting back out there after divorce. So that's the movie we didn't know we wanted, but it's on the way. Okay, and Harry Styles isn't it, or has Harry Styles said anything about Harry it? Harry Styles. Or is he contacting his lawyers about this? Well, possibly. Well, the thing is, I suppose they changed his name. So I'd say technically, legally, they can get away with it. Uh, but as far as we know, he's not in it. But I'd be hoping for a cameo. Yeah. Quite nice to see. Somebody's him. texting it to say the shark has jumped over the shark uh, on this one. Which is. <laughs> <laughs> More than true. That's bizarre. It's it's bizarre. It sounds made up, but I promise you, it's actually true. But then again, Harry Styles is is like the biggest person on the planet right now. He's, he's the, huge. He's the person Robbie Williams wants to be. But have you delved into now? I haven't really. But the world of fan fiction is absolutely huge, and a mm. lot of the stories end up being quite sexual yeah, and erotic. Yeah. They all always go down that route. Yeah. Um. And One Direction, there are thousands of stories out there. If you're so inclined, I'm sure you can check them out on the internet. Maybe more movies are on the way. Who knows? You're saying you're saying all these stories go the one direction. Uh, that's <laughs> exactly what I'm saying. Yes. Yeah. Uh, let's test our first beer, Dean. OK, so first of all, we're tasting Moosehead Pale Ale, English-style pale ale brewed in Canada, St. John New Brunswick, on the east coast of Canada. So first of all, um, what I was looking at as I was kind of uh, tasting these beers, it looked at kind of seven things to distinguish a pale ale from other beer styles. So in terms of those seven, I'll go through um, four of them initially, and then when we're tasting the other beer, I'll, I'll go through the other yeah. three. So the first thing is very simply... A pale ale is both a style family and and a style. So pale ale can be bitter, can be a golden ale, it can be a Belgian blonde ale, it can be a whole range of different beers. And then you can have an English pale ale or an American pale ale. So it can be a little bit confusing sometimes when people mm. are talking about pale ale. Um, this is where it gets very technical. Pale ales are pale. Okay. Yeah. We'll just pause there for a moment while people <laughs> absorb that fact. Yeah, yeah. yeah. okay. And, and then we're going to go into even more depth. Yeah. They are made with ale yeast. Yes. So, okay. Yeah, I've studied this stuff. Yeah, you have. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so no, this, is, this is the kind of thing you'd want to see in that Robbie Williams documentary. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so, um, made with ale yeast means that it's um, brewed with a particular type of yeast that likes warmer fermentations and tends to develop fruity um, flavours. And then in terms of the difference between India Pale Ale and Pale Ale, an India Pale Ale was one of the beers that lived under the Pale Ale style family. And then over time, uh, uh, originally developed about uh, 200 years ago. And uh, then as India Pale Ales became more and more popular, brewers started morphing and warping and changing India Pale Ales. So they started deciding we could change the colour, we could change the um, alcohol strength, uh, we could change the type of grains that we're using in it. Um, But consistently with India Pale Ales, they are always hoppy. Whereas with a pale ale, it's always pale and an ale. Yeah. So, and in, 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 yeah. But, but would it be too fair to say that then in the IPA side of things, the term is almost meaningless. It's been fecked around with so much. It's As a style family, it does make sense because it covers so many different beers. But the thing that they all have consistently is that they're all hoppy. So, for example, you've okay. got a black IPA, which looks kind of like a stout uh, insofar as a black IPA is black and it's bitter and hoppy. Whereas a stout is black and it's bitter. 
<laughs> okay, all right. Yeah. The stout uh, focuses more on the malt flavour, yeah, whereas yeah. the black IPA yeah. focuses more on the hop flavour. So, first beer that we're tasting is Moosehead Pale Ale. Uh, just to add a little bit more confusion, um, in Canada, sometimes they call this Moosehead Red. It's not a red ale. Uh, the label used to be red, so they used to call it Moosehead Red just because okay. it was uh, a red label. Yeah. Uh, they've changed the label now, so it's a darker label. But um, really complex beer, but really easy to drink. 5% ABV, so mm. a, a kind of more uh, normal strength uh, compared to some of the beers that we bring in. Uh, complex in terms of lots and lots of flavours going on in it. It's brewed with uh, English hops, so you get uh, rose petals in the aroma, a certain amount of biscuity, digestive biscuits, uh, malt flavour in it, and then a, a nice subtle uh, range of fruit flavours, so apple, pear, um, a bit of blackcurrant uh, fruit flavours, but not at the level that you get with the punch-in-your-face American IPAs that you sometimes uh, get, yes. where there's a huge amount of flavour both coming from the fermentation and uh, the um, hops that are added into the beer. A uh, little bit of vanilla in the flavour as well, kind of soft creaminess, and uh, it, it, very, very easy drinking at 5%, but like an absolutely beautiful beer. I know, um, it's lovely. Absolutely lovely. Uh, someone has a question for you, Dean. Uh, could you ask the beer guy this question? My dad used to drink a pint of light and bitter which was a pint of bitter poured into a pint glass and topped with a bottle of pale ale. Yeah. I've never seen this drunk in Ireland. Is this a particularly English combination? It is a big English thing. I knew a lot of people. Um, I spent some time living in England and when I was over there, it was yeah um, quite a popular thing. Um, bitter, you don't see that much in Ireland. Uh, bitter is a type of pale ale and it uh, exists on a kind of a ladder system. So you've got uh, an ordinary bitter as... Um, uh, Best bitter and then an ESB, an extra um, strong bitter. Uh, so they range from 3.2 to 3.8% ABV for the ordinary, 3.8 to 4.6 for the um, uh, best bitter, and then 4.6 up to 6.2 for the um, ESB. And uh, that's a pale ale that is supposedly a bit bitter, but it's nowhere near the level of bitterness that you get with IPAs. And then, yeah, um, that's put in with an English pale ale and both of them put into the glass and blended together. It, something comparable would be maybe a black and tan over here. Right, he's got a okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. God, you don't see them much anymore no, either. No, People it's... Uh, them anymore. Yeah. Mm. yeah, they were nice. Okay, Chris, what movie would you like to do first? Uh, we'll start with the Idris Elba versus the Lion film, I think. Okay, Idris Elba punching a lion after this break. So listen, um... I'm going to try and come to you, okay? Yes, sir. Do you understand that, Martin? I'm going to try and come to you. Oh. Uh, negative night. Um, I'm not alone. What? He's staring right at me. The lion is staring right at you? Oh, my God. Why would he do that? We have to go get him. Son of a bitch is staring right at me. That we have to go and get him down. That doesn't sound right, man. What's going on? That doesn't sound uh, natural. If I didn't know any better, I'd say I'm the bait. We, we gotta come get you, man. You stay by there, you're gonna die. There you go. That's uh, Id- Idris Elba there uh, in Beast. And by the way, uh, Idris features, as we like to call him here, uh, he's on this week's Screen Time with John Fardy. You can get a podcast from 5pm or tune in at 6pm tomorrow evening and listen to the sexual chemistry between the two men. Uh, all, Chris already on Twitter. <laughs> 
uh, Kieran says there's a film called Endangered Species for 20, from 2021 that was made for about a tenner judging from the uh, poster <laughs> uh, Mark says uh, the film Beast is a poor man's ghost in the darkness uh, so even advance of e- even seeing it people are saying it's, okay. not, it's not as good as some other film we haven't heard of either okay right so yeah. Mark must have gotten up very early this morning to actually see the film in cinemas <laughs> um, but yeah I mean this film is not trying to be anything other than what it is which again is Idris Elba going up against the lion now you think that sounds like it's going to be a barrel of laughs it's not but I'll come back to that because the one thing that this film really could do with is a sense of humour but it plays it very straight to begin with uh, he is playing Elba that is a uh, grieving widower by the name of Dr. Nate Samuels and he has decided to bring his two teenage daughters um, they're from America on a uh, vacation like sort of a family saving vacation following the death of their mother and his wife mm. because we learned then that there was problems with their marriage they actually separated before she had a cancer diagnosis she then died so of course Elba's doctor blames himself oh, what a bastard uh, yeah, yeah definitely um, but he sets up shop then with uh, an old friend uh, Martin played by Charlotte Copley who you'll remember from uh, District 9 okay uh, terrific yeah. South African actor Look, great film and yeah. it was Martin who introduced Nate to his wife and also you know this is the birthplace of the late wife and and the friend says, look, I am a game reserve manager. I'm a you know, biologist. I know what I'm doing with lions. I've raised a, pr- a pride. I will show you parts of safari, I'll show you parts of the reserve that are not open to uh, the other tourists. Once they actually get there the following morning, however, they realize that one of the lions, angered by, you know, these, you know, ter- terrible poachers, has gone rogue. You know, it's bloodthirsty. It's looking for revenge on those who killed its family. But it's basically looking for revenge on, on, on things that walk with two feet. Mm. And you have Nace, the two teenage daughters, and this, you know, wily but also out of his depths game reserve manager caught in this trap set by the line. So away we go. Right, okay. So, because usually in these kind of scenarios, there are ex special forces yeah. or they have some sort of, you know, backstory where there are skills involved. Yeah. Idris doesn't have any in, in this. No, not at all. No, I mean, at one stage, you know, we have a man down. Uh, uh, none of the characters that I just mentioned, and, you know, Idris's doctor character, you know, he's the. He, he's, he comes in handy in terms of, you know, patching this fellow up, um, but then he dies. So, yeah. not that handy. Okay. Uh, so, but, um, but we can tell, we can also tell from, you know, the way that, you you know, Idris Elba's Nate Samuels is built, that this guy goes to the gym. So yeah. we're kind of looking forward to that moment when he might have to actually, you know, again, mm. use his guns to go up against this line. But a lot of the action for the first bit anyway takes place within a car because, you know, you've got this line coming at you. You're driving around Safari. What are you going to do? You're going to stay in the car. Mm. You're definitely going to stay in the car. But of course, the line wrecks the car and then, you know, what what they're, they're, they're miles away from any sort of help. So they kind of have to use every resource a, 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 around them. And unfortunately, they don't really have much. And also, Charlotte Copley is playing this guy, Martin, who you would want on your side if you were on safari and if things went sideways but he gets injured so it's down to you know Idris to prove that you know he's the hero that you know he's this again he's this ordinary man caught in extraordinary circumstances but he's got his daughters to protect he needs to go up against this line right okay well that's I mean okay fair enough it's fairly conventional I yeah. suppose the idea of being trapped in the car might be an interesting idea yeah yeah I mean the guy who made this uh, um, also directed uh, Everest and Adrift you know mm. which one a survival thriller you know the top of the world's highest mountain the other a survival thriller about you know being uh, uh, caught at sea uh, two people uh, you know caught adrift at sea so so this guy knows what he's doing in terms of like again putting people in a terrible situation where they're just going to have to think outside the box to get out of it um, and it works you know Elba Idris Elba is a terrific actor and he has starred in one of the greatest television shows of all time The Wire yeah. he has his own hit with Luther in terms of films I always think 
it, it's like casting agents are just you know bouncing him around from one action mm, to a thriller mm. to a drama not really finding the perfect role maybe the perfect role of 10 or 15 years ago was going to be Bond but I don't actually think he is going to that's be Bond that's gone now no it? definitely yeah. gone I don't okay. think no uh, uh, for one reason MGM are not going to cast an actor in their 50s because by the time the film would actually come out to play Bond I think they're actually going to go younger um, but in terms of cinematic output yeah I'm still waiting for that big Idris Elba film this could be it he is very good here he is quite convincing and even when the film gets a little bit ridiculous you know I'm always on his side I want him to get out of it the one thing that I really wanted was look at that poster after this Sean it's Idris going up against the lion you need to have a sense of humour about it yeah. there should but be but is it supposed to be funny but well, the idea of a man go in fisticuffs with a with a with a big cast, yeah, that I, find, I find that hilarious. Okay. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but, but, it but depends it just, on your sense of humor. Yeah. I, <laughs> I didn't want to see them get hurt, but I was just I was hoping that at some stage, you know, Nate Nate might have some sort of you know just terrible catchphrase, or he might just stop to say. Well, this is a bit bloody ridiculous. This situation yeah, where people yeah. are stuck in now. You know, you can see someone like Liam Neeson just, you know, looking at the lion and going, "Not today, Lion King." You know, yeah, something yeah, like something. that. Yeah. And I just wanted a bit more of that. But that that said, in terms of you know what it's supposed to do, it does it very well. You know, it is quite engaging. It is quite terrifying. The CG is very effective. I mean, the one thing about you know uh, Idris Elba going up against a CG lion is that you are never not aware that it's a CG line and I think maybe they could do oh, that's not good yeah maybe yeah. they could have done something with, with you know, real with lines yeah not real lines but but, but well, you know uh, from afar they could have shot them maybe well I don't know how yeah. these things work but you know something along those maybe, lines maybe yeah, yeah yeah. I was thinking more like puppetry or you know some sort of mechanical operation but just better uh, CGI just yeah just better yeah. So, yeah that's it yeah but it was made for 30 million and look with the, the, the money that was pumped into it it is quite effective wow. it's not a classic in the making but you know if it's raining this Sunday afternoon give it a go Okay. okay. Uh, Shane says, sounds like an awful version of Jaws. Maybe they should have called it Paws. Uh, does uh, Idris say we need a bigger Jeep? Again, Ian says, have you not heard The Ghost and the Darkness? A true story starring Val Kilmer. Is that no, shocking? No, no. no, definitely. Yeah, definitely have seen yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, but this is not Ghost in the Darkness. Yeah. Okay. Was and Ghost was, in the Darkness good? good? Uh, yeah, it was okay. That's about the lions in Savo National Park, isn't it? I think so. The man-eating lions, yeah. Um, and I will say to the listener who mentioned Jaws, it does employ the Jaws tactic where for the first half an hour, it's like, where's the lion? Got, this lion is roaming yeah, around the place yeah. like Batman, taking out taking out poachers, you know, scaring the <laughs> scaring the bejesus out of Idris and Martin. And then eventually you see it, and it is that big Jaws moment. It's like here's the big bad. But like Jaws, I mean, Jaws is in another league entirety, or like any other film that holds back the body. Once you've seen this, every other time then you see it, it gets a little bit less scarier. Yeah, the thing is, anyway. Are lions that scary, really? In in would you, of, would you it, go up it, against a lion? No, of course not. But, but, but in, in, like in a movie sense, yeah. Like there's there's more terrifying yeah. things. Well, I went on safari. I was telling you off air before Christmas, and all I can say is I'm glad I didn't see that movie beforehand. No. Like I wouldn't say it's a movie to see before you go on safari. No, yeah. no. It, don't go see this if you're going on safari next week. <laughs> Definitely not. I love the way you said it going on safari before Christmas. Just yeah, uh, yeah, on, yeah. The, on the way to Brown Thomas, uh, we <laughs> jumped on the jeep. Just so you can have it in your head before Christmas, guys. Uh, right. So th- now we've mentioned this before. Batgirl isn't coming out. Uh, so rather so are they actually going to screen the movie and then take it out of the back and shoot it kind of thing this is a really really kind of sad story so Batgirl yeah Batgirl basically was made they pumped 90 million dollars into making this movie and they they decided they're going to scrap it now Warner Brothers never really came out with a proper reason they didn't say it was the quality they said it wasn't kind of blockbuster enough 
to put on cinema. So it's gone. Um, Apparently it's a tax write-off. They yeah. can make money. Yeah, It's basically a yeah. money-making exercise, right? Uh, Leslie Grace was supposed to be in it. She was in In the Heights. She's a really good actress. Very disappointing for the cast and crew, right? So what they've decided to do is hold these things, which they're dubbing a funeral screening for Batgirl where they're basically allowing cast and crew who were involved in the movie uh, to go in and and watch it in these really private closed screenings Ah. and then afterwards it's going to be literally locked away in a vault somewhere either digitally or physically we don't really know but it's going to be put away and no one's ever going to see it or perhaps talk about it ever again it really quite a brutal ending is it a, a whole film or is it like they're watching three quarters no. of it and they don't know if Batgirl wins or not at it's, the end the entire thing was filmed I think they filmed it in Scotland it took them eight months um, it was all done it was in post-production they'd done like a good bit of the editing and then they just decided to scrap it so um, it's gone um, they also actually there's another movie called uh, one, a new Scooby-Doo movie called Holiday Haunt now that doesn't sound good. I don't know much about it, but this met the same end. It was cancelled after it was made and they've also held these funeral screenings for Scooby-Doo and both those movies are off and probably we won't hear about them again. They, will, like, they wouldn't be worried somebody snake in an old camera and next thing you know, it's well, all they, over the internet. Quite possibly, but yeah. I assume they take everything off you before you go into screenings like that. I don't know. Uh, but sorry, there is talk because of the whole taxing that they might actually burn all the fun, like they might destroy all the footage to make sure that it never sees the light of day so that they get their money. There was some talk about that, but a very sad ending for Batgirl. Yeah. I would have liked to have seen that. Oh, I, I would love to have seen it because Michael Keaton was reprising his role as yeah. Batman. Yeah. And I'm sure Michael Keaton is not going to be in attendance watching this thing. I don't think he buys into it because the one thing, look, I wish the filmmakers and the actors all, you know, the best of luck and I'm sure they did a fantastic job. Oh, I'm sure they think they did a fantastic job. But the one thing that no one's talking about <laughs> is that there are whispers that it went over budget and that, you know, test screenings were so poorly received yeah, yeah. that the guys at Warner were like, it's going to cost maybe 30 to 50 million to improve this thing. And we were going to put it out only on HBO. So this is this is going to lose us a fortune. Mm. And also, do we really want to put something out that's only going to be laughed off screens? No. I don't think it was good enough. Yeah, I'd say that's, that's why it was cancelled. That's, like, yeah. that's the bottom line. Yeah. That's yeah. a nice way of putting it. It was just yeah. garbage. <laughs> it was just terrible. But it's never stopped them. So off no. now for. Yeah. Uh, and so what's John Hamm going to be in? John Hamm is going to be in a, it's not really a revival movie, but he's going to be in a new movie called Confess Fletcher. So he's going to be playing Erwin Fletcher, who is an investigative journalist. Now, this was a big movie in the 80s. It was called Fletch. This is Chevy Chase. And Chevy Chase was in it. Um, But this is a new one. But it's basically, it's exact same character. And in this one, he's living in Europe. um, And he basically is hired to find out so, uh, find someone who stole a really uh, expensive painting and that's essentially what it is uh, John Hamm we know him from Mad Men great guy great actor I've seen the trailer for this I mean it doesn't look fantastic to me it looks like maybe a 5 out of 10 um, Chevy Chase there was talk he might be in this movie like a little cameo uh, but he's not going to be so that is out uh, September 16th in, in cinemas Does it have the same kind of tone as a Chevy Chase movie would have yeah, where it, the, eye, the eyebrow is permanently arched and it might even stray into being funny occasionally I think it is yeah. a bit tongue in cheek um, and it looks like a kind of classic action thriller kind of chase across Europe and if you're into that kind of thing I think I think you'd like it it doesn't tickle my fancy now if I'm being honest with you I yeah you're know. really not selling I'm it not Rachel. Selling you it. really Sorry. are not selling that I saw uh, one trailer uh, not that into it well John Hamm is good though I might tune in for him just yeah. to see what he's up to loser nobody won it there so it'll be rolled over uh, over until next week uh, somebody out there who might just realise they've 
Uh, they didn't answer the phone. Might want a drink, Dean. What should it be? What should it be? So <laughs> our Irish beer is called Interstellar Pale Ale. It's from Outer Place Brewing. Uh, now, this is a home brewer, Mark Clark, who um, uh, used his time over lockdown to have a think about the idea of getting into brewing professionally and has teamed up with Lineman to uh, gypsy brew this beer. So he's going into another brewery brewing the beer there and then uh, launching it on the market. He's done a really, really good job on this. It's uh, an American pale ale, um, but probably best described as a cross between a West Coast IPA and a New England IPA brought into a pale ale category. So uh, West Coast IPA, um, what you've got is uh, citrus, so lemon, lime and pine. Uh, New England IPA, peachy, uh, tropical fruit type flavours. And then usually with an IPA, the the strength is a bit higher, but this is 5%. So it's not as uh, kind of punchy as an IPA, Mm. but has um, uh, curacao, which is uh, dried orange peel, the flavour that you associate with Cointreau. Uh, lemon zest, uh, lemon meringue, lemon sherbet type flavours, uh, pineapple, very, very fruity beer. Um, he's using a, a blend of malt or a blend of grains in this. So he's using wheat, oat and uh, malted barley. So you get a kind of a wheat cracker combined with creamy oats uh, flavour in it. Again, vanilla um, in the flavour from the, the creamy flavour. And earlier I mentioned that we'd have a look at what defines a pale ale. So I went through the the first kind of four guidelines for it. Uh, (laughs) Now we're getting into really specific stuff. Um, So when we talk about uh, the country in a pale ale, uh, this is uh, an American pale ale versus the Moosehead pale ale, which is an English pale ale that usually refers to the hops. Except when it doesn't. Yes, of course. Yes. So we've got American hops in this. So it's an American pale ale with the uh, Moosehead pale ale. It's an English uh, pale ale. Um, but one of the things that you see a, a number of the Irish brewers doing is calling their beers Irish pale ale um, because Irish pale ale abbreviates to IPA and it's a play on IPA. Okay. Um, but generally, when you see IPA, it's usually an American pale ale. They're mostly using American hops in Ireland. Uh, so when you see that. Uh, second, again, very specific. <laughs> Back group. to my original question about this is meaningless this term though <laughs> <laughs> yeah. and then it changes Except over time if it's as a well. Tuesday it's a yeah, <laughs> it changes over time uh, so uh, then um, IPAs are generally stronger than pale ales except when they're not yeah uh, <laughs> so um, what you had originally IPAs were about 5.5 to 7.5% and now they've stretched, so you've got session IPAs, IPAs and double IPAs going right across the uh, the range of strengths. So the difference between a session IPA and an American pale ale is uh, there's a strong overlap there. And then the last most important rule is all of the above rules are made to be broken. Yes, of course. Yes. Uh, um, I, I'm, I'm glad you left in that proviso. <laughs> Because I really wanted to break some of those many rules. Uh, you did mention that uh, a beast was a bit humorless, uh, Chris. Uh, so Adam Driver, Greta Gerwig, a movie uh, directed by Noah Baumbach, uh, and it's based on a book by Don DeLillo. DeLillo that's where humour has gone completely to die. Well, it. Do, I mean, it looks bizarre, this movie, to be honest with you. I, I think it's a good casting. Um, Noah Baumbach, he directed Marriage Story. I don't mm. know if you saw that with Adam Driver, which yeah. was absolutely fantastic. Yeah. Um, Noah's actually also married to Greta Gerwig. Did not know that. Um, so this is based on a, uh, a 1980s film of the same name. Sorry, not film. Novel of the same name. And uh, they play a couple who apparently are trying to shepherd their children through a string of bizarre misadventures. And it all kicks off when there's a chemical spill from a train 
in their town. And then it basically all goes downhill from there and they have to traipse across, uh, you know, the country. And uh, it, it looks... It looks quite bizarre, to be honest. It looks like they're, you know, kind of almost science fiction-y in nature. But I think Adam Driver is an incredible actor and I think anything he's in is probably going to be good. Did you see him in The Last Duel, the movie he did with Matt Damon? I really enjoyed that. Oh, something else. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't say that. I just, I can't see any Don DeLillo book would be unfilmable. I would have thought. Well, Um, having watched the trailer, like, I mean, I still, I'm not entirely sure what's going to happen in it. I feel like anything could happen within this movie. It's about a family and the chemical spill kicks it off and then they just go through a series of bizarre things. Yeah. So, you know, know. take it from there. Mightn't lead you anywhere. (laughs) Uh, You don't know. Uh, I can't get over, Texas says, I can't get over people not answering for the cash machine. I literally have my day planned around that call all summer. Um, someone answered, I think, recently and they did have the amount written down, but apparently they couldn't find the piece of paper. Really yeah, that's, ha- that's happened. Yeah, yeah sickener. That's a, that is a sickener. Though, I mean, you know, listener, if, if you've literally have your day planned around that call all summer... Think about your life. Uh, <laughs> think about, you know, other important things there might be uh, to think about. We'll uh, move over uh, to our, move on to our second movie of the day. Uh, it, it is called Official Competition. Here's your Spanish clip. ¿Quieres empezar? Ahora mismo. Venga, vamos allá. Póngase los cascos mejor. El sonido es clave aquí. Discúlpame si tengo una erección. Y discúlpame si no la tengo. No es nada personal. Vale, ¿preparados? Sí, sí. Acción. Yeah, they weren't eating uh, in that clip. Just to explain, they're filming a love scene or, or at least a kissing scene uh, in that. Uh, and uh, when you hear uh, Antonio Banderas, uh, what he's saying is, sorry if I get an erection and sorry if I don't. It's nothing personal. If you've just tuned in, that was Antonio Banderas <laughs> saying that. Uh, what's happening in my trouser garden is none of your business. So, right, Chris, uh, tell us, uh, this is about the movie business. Uh, there was an awful lot going on in that sentence there, yes. John. Um, <laughs> it is about the movie business, but it kicks off with this wealthy industrialist, this multimillionaire named Humberto, uh, having a bit of a late-life crisis. He's just turned 80, and he is staring at the window and wondering, what's it all about? What's my legacy going to be? Do the people who work for me, you know, do they... Do they even know that much about me? Do they even care about me? What sort of like mark have I left on the world? And for reasons best known to himself, he decides that, you know, in his, you know, final on his final path, he's going to, you know, put his fortune into the arts and he wants to produce a film and not just any film, not just any kind of box office drivel. He wants to produce an art house film that will, you know, be it will appear at festivals. It will appear in competition, hence the name official competition, and it will pick up awards, essentially. So he has his people track down this art house auteur by the name of Lola Cueva and she is played by Penelope Cruz and she believes her own hype she has all of this acclaim behind her she has all of these awards behind her and she's a bit of an eccentric filmmaker and together they want to adapt this Nobel winning prize novel named Rivalry which sounds like a fantastic novel it's about warring siblings who fall out with one another one of them goes to jail following the tragic death of their parents but we don't know what else happens in that story but a very clever trick of this film is that we'll actually hear more about that fictional story this sort of film within a film as it goes along Mm. and 
neither of them you get the feeling that neither of them have actually read the novel but they think that making a film <laughs> will bring them great you know uh, uh, awards acclaim box yeah. office glory everything so uh, Lola decides that she's going to hire two very different uh, types of you know oddball actors to play the brothers one of them I mentioned at the top is this vacuous box office concrete movie star the kind of guy who basically just shows up learns his lines recites his, recites his lines doesn't really care for the art of getting into character and that's Antonio Banderas' Felix the other is the complete opposite the other is also you know a, a film teacher he takes himself very seriously he's a bit of a snob he's all about what's the past of my character and if there is none I'm going to write it myself and that's Oscar Martinez's Felix or uh, Ivan and naturally these two you know actors they, they, they clash they're going to you know bang heads and also they're going to work for a filmmaker who asks way too much of them I mean she literally puts their lives at risk in order to get great performances out of them and I think of it then the then the best part is that we don't actually get to see the making of the film what we then see is a couple of weeks of the, these three uh, 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 artists performing workshopping in an empty theater space and it is just chaos from day one yeah okay yeah uh, and is it cruel it's not cruel no it is very funny I mean it's you know at its core it's a satire and yeah. what you have here is the filmmakers behind it as I said holding up a mirror to themselves and the industry in which they work and also kind of you know exploring this idea that look what we do for a living this is the filmmakers and also the actors we're playing pretend it is ridiculous that mm. we get paid to do this it is ridiculous that we get paid to never grow up to do the things that we do you know to play the games that, that, that we played as children and we get paid and we get paid for this this is ridiculous ridiculous but some people lose themselves in the job and they take their art they take the craft they take the whole industry far too seriously and it's fun to see the filmmakers and the, and the actors mess around with this because in one scene Lola the director has the guy she says to the guys how many how many awards have you got and one of them saying oh, I've got about 17 and the other guy says about 30 odd I want you to bring as many as you can with you tomorrow and she brings them she then wraps them up in cling film because she wants them to feel the pressure of their characters and while they're wrapped up in cling film she throws, tosses their awards in industrial shredder wow. so she's out to get a reaction from them but you can also sense that behind the scenes the filmmakers are thinking this is brilliant because this is calling out all of our peers who might actually be like this yeah. uh, so it is in one sense quite believable I wouldn't I wouldn't for a minute doubt that there are filmmakers like this and that the guys behind have come up um, have come up against them um, Cruz then has an awful lot of fun as the director Antonio Banderas is sensational uh, Oscar Martinez in particular is very good at playing the snob I just think I, I love films about films and I love films that completely, you know, just take the piss out of films about films yeah, or take yeah. it out of the industry. Yeah. And that's what we're getting here. And we're also getting a, a film that I don't know. I don't know if you could class this as a COVID production, but there is a sense that maybe we couldn't get a huge crew here. Maybe we couldn't get a huge cat. There might have been other characters at some stage because for most of these two hours, it's just the three of them. But I wouldn't have it any other way. I just thought this was sensational. OK. All right. Yeah. It's like that old thing, uh, old saying about why are American academics so horrible to each other? It's because the stakes are so low. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, actually, I didn't ask you, but uh, uh, for uh, for Beast, both these movies have cinematic releases. Yes, right? Beast has nationwide release. You can see it in probably every uh, 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 multiplex. But in terms of official competition, it's in select cinemas. So, right. yeah, just have a look and see where it's on. You will find somewhere. You might just have to look a bit harder. Okay, and finally, Rachel Brittany is back. So Brittany she is, is back. back. She's actually released a song. 
first new music a, a lawsuit in six years uh, but she's not doing it alone Sean she is with Elton John a lot of chat about this it was actually supposed to be released last week apparently it didn't get her stamp of approval it's been released today it is a duet with Elton John of his song Hold Me Closer uh, oh sorry Tiny Dancer but this is called Hold Me Closer and it also samples his hits The One and Don't Go Breaking My Heart apparently this was Elton's idea he's a big fan of Britney he wanted her on the track she sang it from Beverly Hills he was in the south of France it's come together well they really put themselves out didn't they I mean they obviously had, they obviously had a lot of Zoom chats well. you know what I mean they spoke on the phone um, and he actually previewed this song um, at a party in Cannes during the week I don't know if you saw the clip but he was in like a romper literally at a beach party and he was like who wants to hear a preview so we got a little teaser uh, look it's released today it's a good song it's catchy you know what I mean it's hold me closer it's nice my only thing is is that honestly to be honest you can't really hear Britney too well on it Elton seems to be kind of drowning her out except for one line she has at the end where we get that iconic Britney vocal fry so you can say she's back but like maybe like half back I want her to bring out her own music okay all right. Okay. Well, thank you all uh, very much. Uh, that's our lot uh, for today. Our uh, the hard shoulders up next on News Talk. Our production team today: Ashley Moore, Michael Quilligan, uh, Simon Tierney, and Claire Collins. I think if you have the time, we might play you out with five seconds of Britney. Bye. <laughs> Movies and Booze, I'm Moncrief, on News Talk.